Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am one of your co-hosts, Blake Rafino, and two, I don't know if it's my left or my right. I guess it would be on this version, my left, my great co-host and former Saints wide receiver and so many other team wide receivers. The, the man, the myth, the viral legend himself, <laughs> Terrence TC Copper or Cop. What's up, my brother? What's happening tonight? Blake, what's going on, man? Nothing much at all. Well, nothing much. Well, I got to tell you, um, a lot has happened since the last time we spoke live on, on air. Shout out to our partners over at Believe, XM Radio, and all those great things. Uh, LeVar Arrington taking shots at Drew Brees. I told you, man, the people's what mad. Going on? We're going to get into it. And listen, I I might lose my cool. TC, I'm, I'm going to lose my cool. I, like, I know that you were his teammate. But this mm-hmm. this stuff has got to stop, dude. Like yeah. the pot shots and all that. So you know, a lot we got to talk about. Jameis Winston comes out and talks about his mentality. Jameis was trending today because he was talking about guys. I got to wear a knee brace. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll talk about his mentality though. We talked TC a couple weeks ago about Jameis changing as a person. I want to mm-hmm. know from your perspective when you change and you mature. As a person off the field, just how much does that translate on the field? So I want to talk to you about that, and you know what we got to do too. Story time with TC, man. <laughs> Story time with TC. So it's going to be fun uh, as we get into this thing. Um, so let's do this. Since we got a lot to get into, we didn't talk about our good people over uh, Bet Online last time. We didn't play the commercial. That's on me. So. Bet online. We talk to you. That's on me. So, TC, let's take 30 seconds. We'll be back. We got a lot to talk about. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag. Guys, we'll be back in 45 seconds. Our partners over at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas 
casino, and poker games. It's easy to get started, so head on over to their website. Use betonline.ag. Use that promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Betonline.ag. All right, so let's get into this thing. Let's get this thing rolling, y'all. Let's get this thing rolling. That's kind of the thing on the other show, so I, I can't help it sometimes. <laughs> TC, I, I, I got to be just blunt and honest mm-hmm. here. I want to get your take first and give you the ultimate floor. Okay. LeVar Arrington has come out and said again, and taking shots at Drew Brees. Buddy, what am I missing? Like, you've played with him, you know him. And we've talked about this, but TC, it's every single week. What am I missing with this whole Drew Brees thing? Is there, did Drew Brees like <laughs> punk dudes on the field? Like, was he a <laughs> trash talker? Did he talk about people's mamas on the field? Like, dude, what in what in the world am I missing with Lavar Arrington and these comments that he said about Drew last week? You know what? I don't know. I, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe Drew is not who I thought he was, but I know Drew to be who he is. So all these other comments that people keep coming, first of all, I don't know where they're coming from. Like, why are why are people taking shots at him like that? I don't I have no idea. And I like LeVar Arrington. I like him. Like I used to love him when he played for Penn State. Uh, and even when he played in the league, you know, but I just don't get it. It's, it's starting to make me question, okay, what's really going on? Like, did, did Drew really do something to somebody? Like, what is what exactly did he say? I try to keep politics out of sports, okay? Mm-hmm. I understand, TC, what Drew Brees said about the flag, okay? Mm-hmm. And I understand about the Ka- Kaepernick thing. Look, just my stance on it, and this is about everything. If you're doing the right thing and the legal thing, in this country, you have the right to do what you want. That's mm-hmm. my belief. I'm not siding with anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't like getting political. I understand what Drew said, and I understand it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I, I, I get it. I don't necessarily agree with what Drew said completely, and I don't mm-hmm. disagree with it. I don't know if the aftermath of what Drew said has ru- has still stayed with people or not. Now, mm-hmm. if you missed it, LeVar Arrington did said, and I'm paraphrasing here, said mm-hmm. that Drew is not a likable guy. People in New Orleans have forgot about him, which is just not true. And people don't really like Drew, and Drew thinks he's cooler than what he really is. TC, this is where I go off. LeVar, you have no freaking clue – about this state, right? right? Like, you don't know the city. You don't know what it's like on a hot August day on Bourbon Street and everybody's celebrating before football season. You don't know what it's like to get hit by a Category 5 hurricane and have to evacuate your entire family. And when COVID breaks out, Drew Brees is the guy in the cafeteria feeding local kids because their parents got laid off. Okay, at some point, TC, we have to take the man's actions. Did he take more money than most quarterbacks in the league? Did Tom Brady take pay cuts? I get all that all that stuff. But when a man spends $10 million, when Tom Benson, only anniversary, by the way, that Tom Benson bought the Saints in 1985, I believe it was, he was the one putting his money where his mouth was. 
It wasn't Gail. It wasn't Tom. It was Drew Brees. Here's my problem with all of this, TC. You as an NFL player, okay, had the luxury of playing. Why in the hell do you have to pay your money that you make when the billionaire sits up in the suite and doesn't do anything? Okay? Right. That's my problem with all – don't say Drew's a selfish guy and he's fake and all this kind of stuff. I you TC, I'm a different human being than Drew. Mm-hmm. I'm more heart-on-sleeve type of guy. But I also have to limit myself when I put this damn camera on and I talk about sports. Okay? You have to limit yourself. Mm-hmm. My point with all of this is is when do we start taking Drew Brees' actions after Katrina, COVID, whatever it was, he was a guy up front. I understand the past with the flag. I, 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 I get it. But I'm not letting all of that, that one statement with Drew translate to everything that he's done. Where mm-hmm. Am I off in any of this, TC? Please tell no. me if I'm off. You're hitting it right on the head. And for me, I feel like that is why a lot of his backlash is coming, is from the comments he's made during, um, you know, when we was kneeling down uh, during the national anthem, those type things. It got to be coming from that. And even on that note, and even on that note, not to get political with it, to me, I feel like Drew just didn't understand the whole thing behind the kneeling. Uh, for the national anthem. I think he's just looking at it from, you know, he felt like, okay, he felt like it was disrespectful to the national anthem, you know, but not understanding the meaning behind what we was doing. It wasn't to disrespect the national anthem. You know, it wasn't to do that, but he didn't understand the whole process behind of why we was doing it. And you have to, you have to realize, and I'm not taking up for Drew at all, but Drew is a huge military guy. Like, I'm talking about he's a military guy. Like, in the locker room, his book bag he carries stuff around in is a army fatigue book bag. Uh-huh. You know, so Drew is a – he's real strong when it comes to military and how you feel about the military. You know, he have a lot of a lot of passion about the military. So I get why he thought and was thinking that. But, of course, until he got understanding of it, he's going to think that way. But once he got understanding of it, he apologized, and we moved on from it. You know, so – I just don't get why people are still coming at him. Like they're judging his character, and he done done so much stuff for the for the city of New Orleans, you know, that people don't know about. So I just I just don't get why somebody outside of the playing field would really start judging him like that, especially when you really don't know him. Bingo. And, and look, I don't know if I don't know Lavar Arrington's heart. I don't know Lavar Arrington. I don't know if it's jealousy because he got passed up from NBC and I like I I, I don't know that, okay? I yeah. don't know if look, there are people that I envy in this business. Mm-hmm. TC, we do this podcast because we want to go somewhere. Let's not be let's not kid our audience or kid ourselves. Right. We want to be somewhere. We're right. aspiring to be something. But I understand when Tom Brady gets $375 million to go to Fox and he's still playing. I'm not Tom Brady, right? Like, I am not Tom Brady. Here's the thing with Drew. I don't understand where people are saying that he's bad on the drawing board at a Notre Dame game. I went back and watched, okay, because he was with NBC calling Notre Dame, obviously, in our other show with the LSU show. we I watched a lot of Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. 
There is not a man on the on the drawing board better than Drew Brees. Now, does a Tony Romo articulate it better? Sure. But that's – he can be better at that, okay? There's been people that have been really bad. Booger McFarlane, my biggest idol growing up, my biggest idol, was horrible in the booth. There's not – if you sit down and you talk to Booger like I have, there's not a man that knows interior offense and defensive line play better than Booger McFarlane. Right. TC, I promise you, I, as an offensive lineman – there's not a do better. There really isn't. I, I don't know where this is coming from. And to LeVar Arrington, you went to Penn State and Jerry Sandusky was your defensive coordinator and you stuck up for Joe Paterno. So before you start taking personal shots at Drew, you better make sure that there's no skeletons in your closet and you better make sure there's no damn skeletons in Penn State's closet and then you're defending it going on your blog. See, two people can do this thing and Drew's not going to be the guy that comes after somebody. So excuse right. me, LeVar Arrington, for saying don't stick up for your D.C. <laughs> look, you, you hit it on the head. Look, I'm getting spicy. But, T.C., here's the thing from – and look – this is what this podcast is about. You're a player, okay? And then I'll start shutting up and letting you talk. But you're a player. What you do, what you did on the field impacted me in 2005, 2006 when I remember, TC, I, we were out of electricity for a month. We were out of Brother, I'm eating MREs. Single mom household. Can't get in touch with my dad. Okay, there's no – cell phones aren't the biggest thing back then. Remember 2005, I had a flip phone razor, okay? Can't get in touch with my dad. Can't get in touch with people. What you guys did in 2016 against Atlanta makes a guy, a kid like me, a 15-year-old kid, emotional. Emotional. So when you target one of our own, TC, you included, you better come with the facts. I was about to curse. Sorry, XM Radio, but you better come with the facts because what you guys did on that night will live with me forever. TC, I got in the studio. We got Saint. We have a picture of you and Drew. The, this one, this one. Which, by the way, can I get your autograph? <laughs> 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 we got this one, TC. We got this uh, to everybody listening. Yeah. Okay, this is what's hanging up in the studio. If you're listening to us on XM or the audio podcast. It's Drew Brees and my man TC high-fiving. That's right. what this means. It's still a kid's game, bro. Right. So when you're attacking right. someone that affected someone in a city and you're attacking the man's character, if you're – look, if you want to say that Drew Brees was never MVP worthy, whatever. What, mm -hmm. Attack him on the field. Yeah. I'm not going to make a lack of judgment for what he said on one thing – where he didn't understand. Mike Thomas right. said it best. He, he came to my house. We sat there for five hours. And this man was in tears because he didn't understand the impact. Mm -hmm. Look, social, we have, to come, we have to come together as a nation on a lot of issues. Okay? Drew doing that told more of me about his character than anything. So, mm -hmm. look, I've talked a lot. I'm going to shut up now. But I'm tired of it, T. Yeah. I, 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 I'm just tired of it, man. Yeah, but you hitting everything on the head. Like, 
everything you're saying it's like i can't even follow it up because you're you're saying exactly what everybody feeling i i don't think lavar understand how much drew is loved in new orleans he does I, I don't think he you understand that you know i don't think you understand what he's done for new orleans uh i don't think you understand how how big drew is in new orleans you know so i just think he's just talking i don't know why he's talking like that but i just think he's just talking just to be talking really i i agree well look I don't want to continue to talk on this Drew thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's gotten to the point where it's, it's – it's for for me, again, talk about him taking more money than maybe he should have to get better right. – that's all on the field. When you start attacking a man's character, that's a different ball game that you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, TC, though, let's transition to the quarterback. Okay. Look, we're going to continue to talk about Jameis, Okay. Now, I, I really need your help on this one because I yep. know from myself, but I didn't play in the league and play like – so for me today as a 32-year-old man, okay, mm-hmm. I know that if I were in the league right now, I would be different than what I was at Southeastern at 21, okay? Mm-hmm. I continue to see James, the mentality of Jameis Winston going in a place where – TC, I think he can be a Pro Bowl quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. because of what he's doing off the field, the maturity, having a wife, having a child, having the injury, having the focus. TC, when you mature as a person and everything that you're doing off the field, how much does that really translate on the field? I give you the floor, my friend. So let's think about it when you are when you're maturing off the field. A lot of time when you maturing off the field is you're learning how to talk to people better. You know, you're learning how to be accountable for the stuff that you are accountable accountable for, not pointing the fingers or putting the blame on anybody else. You're starting to take ownership of things that you should take ownership of. You know, like I say, you're starting to understand how to how to lead other people because you are maturing in that way. So it translates perfectly from you maturing off the field to now because you guess what you're a leader off the field to your family hmm. when you get to that team you're the leader of that team as well especially when you're at quarterback position so him maturing off the field definitely would translate on the field because all the things that you're working on off the field to mature and the things that have matured you is maturing you as a person individually and how you how you interact with other people how you handle other people how you're able to talk to other people without maybe having you know, being upset about so or taking something personal, you learn how to step back and not take it personal and understand what they're saying and not how they're saying. So it's a lot of stuff that happens when you mature off the field and it correlates directly to when you're trying to lead a football team because you got to know how to talk to people. You got to know how to lead everybody and everybody's different on the team. Nobody's different. I can't talk to one player the way I'm going to talk to another player if I have to because for one, his background is different. So when you talk one player that may come from a different background, he may view that differently or take it differently from you because of his background compared to another guy that may be used to getting talked to like that, and he can take it differently. So being a leader is all about understanding the people that you're leading, and everybody is different. So when you're leading, of course, overall, you're going to lead kind of the same But when it comes to the individuals that you're actually approaching and talking, you have to understand how to handle those guys. And by him maturing off the field, that's going to help him even more. So I'm excited for him. I'm excited for this year. I think he has 
He has the potential to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. Even, even if he didn't mature off the field, he still had the potential to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. Agreed. Yeah, you know, he's he's a great player. Uh, before he got injured, truthfully, he was on the pace to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. Before he got injured, you know, so, I mean, that's always been there. But now with his leadership and him maturing off the field, I think that's going to help the team prosper, not just on the field, but in that locker room and when it comes to adversity. If he would have had, and I'm doing the quick math in my head, I could be off, so don't judge people listening because mm-hmm. you know people on social media, Blake's wrong on his math. He got public school <laughs> education. Well, I do. He I was do. on the pace for 32 to 35 touchdowns and five to six interceptions. That is Pro Bowl worthy. Okay. Yeah. Now, in that, I don't – and, TC, we talk about this too. Young quarterbacks, especially the quarterback position, mm-hmm. I still think that the best game outside of Green Bay was the Washington – I was about to say Redskins, but the Washington Commanders, football team, whatever you want to call them. Um, mm-hmm. But he only threw for 50%, but he had four touchdowns and a pick. Mm-hmm. Not getting rattled when your wide receivers are dropping, the pa- are dropping passes – Mm-hmm. Is a sh- is a form of leadership, okay? Meaning, when you have a wide open post route in the back of the end zone, and a wide receiver, a young wide receiver, is worried about the goalpost and doesn't secure the catch, that can be frustrating when you're down by six. Again, right. again, you can make the argument you can't make that throw. He's right there. I mean, look. Regardless, you come back out the next play and you throw a touchdown. My point being is, is I believe, and, and look, people that didn't get to the level that you did, TC, always reminisce on if I had the mental capacity that I had today, that I had when I last played, things would have been different. And I think that, and we're seeing, and as the saying goes, in living color, and not in the black and white, but in the living color, we are seeing, a, a like, because... If he does throw 30 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, hell, if he throws 30 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, I don't know if you can't say that is a huge progression. If he does that, you're a playoff team. Mm -hmm. And that's where this team needs to be led. Now, when we talk about Jameis and we talk about this offense, I don't know, TC, how much have you seen, but we're seeing a lot from Chris Olave, the first-round overall pick, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He, you said something last week, which may I, I have I've been thinking about this all Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. You said last week that you didn't know any better from Todd Haley on how things were supposed to go mm-hmm. to to you know when you went uh, elsewhere. When I see Jameis out at OTAs telling the man how he wants him to run the route because this is his offense and how he wants to break it off. Bro, he doesn't know any better. And I think that that translation that you brought into last week translates mm-hmm. different into OTAs now. Do you mm-hmm. see that? And is that something that you could – is that something that could be worked out in OTAs with a young wide receiver like Chris Olave? I think so. I think the first part of it is I love how uh, James Winston is communicating with him. You know, when it comes to, you know, this is how I want this route ran – all that is, that's part of building relationships. Right. And we all know as a relationship, a relationship is all about dialogue. So 
I'm communicating with you, you communicate with me. That's how we form a relationship, you know? And so that is how a quarterback and their receivers start to build that relationship. Just communicating about, okay, this is what I like. I don't like this. I like this, you know, and the, the receiver, guess what? He's going to oblige and he's going to do whatever that quarterback is telling him to do. He will make the adjustment. If Jameis Winston wants you to come out of your break like this, then that's how he's going to come out of the break. And, mm-hmm. and truthfully, that is how receiver coaches teach their players, their receivers. Listen, we're going to coach you up, but do what the quarterbacks say. Once he get on the field, once they're playing, if the quarterback wants you to break it a certain way, that's how you break it. Mm-hmm. You know, so of course he's going to listen to the receiver coach and and do everything the receiver coach teaching him to do, and he's going to have his own arsenal how he do certain things. But there are certain things that your quarterback wants you to do a certain way, and you have to be able to do it and not be like, ah, oh, I'm not doing that. I'll do it my way. Nah, do it the way the quarterback's telling you to do it because he got to throw you the ball. If you don't want the ball, don't do it the way he's telling you to do it. You know, so. I, I I love the fact Jameis Winston and they are communicating like that because that's how you become a special team because everybody's on the same page. And those pages, when I say the same page, those pages aren't always big pages. You know, it's little right. pages like, you know what I'm saying? Mm. It's little pages like that that everybody's on one accord with as well. So that's what makes a great team. I, I think that that might, that comment that you just said there at the end, where I, I think that that will be lost in translation, that we will look back on this episode late in the season, third and seven, Tampa Bay on the road. Oh, damn. Why? So, for example, he's running a – I don't want to know what whatever route. Quick out, quick slant, whatever. Why did he break it off that fast? Because of that communication in OTA. What did they see now – that that's a big difference. Sean Hurst brings this in, and this was something we weren't going to talk about, but I'll, we'll, we'll bring this in because he's bringing it in. Do you think the Saints need to bring in a running back with the uncertainties of Alvin Kamara case? Um, TC, I know a lot of people say that they're not worried about it, but there's one thing that I know the best, and that is offensive run game. If there's one certainty that I have on planet Earth, it's that I like a good whiskey, that I like a good pizza, and that I know an offensive running game. TC, mm-hmm. it scares me alive. I do. Mm. I, I, let me tell you why. I think, and we're going to talk about breakout players, and I'm going to give a little bit of a hint. Mine's on the offensive line, okay? My breakout player, and it's going to go unnoticed, is going to be on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. But Alvin does things that normal human beings can't. And I right. think that Mark Ingram is getting long in the tooth. We don't know who that guy's going to be yet, who takes up that role. Does that worry you? Because you talked about a couple weeks ago blocking downfield with the receivers, and that helps play action game. That helps a lot of things. Is it worrying you a little bit that they have not signed a veteran guy? They've tried to go after Sony Michelle. They've tried to go after Daryl Williams. They're trying, and they haven't completed. Does it worry you any that Alvin Kamara could be sitting out and might not be here for six to eight weeks? It worries me he's going to be sitting out, but. You know, I still feel like we'll be okay. We still have to get a running back. We have to get one. Uh, I love the fact we're going after some veteran running backs. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to find another running back that can do what Alvin can do, to be honest with you. You're not just not going to find it. You know, Mm -hmm. so you need to bring somebody in that, first of all, is a good person, first of all, because you always got to worry about the locker room. 
anytime you bring in a free agent in, the first thing you got to realize and understand, okay, what type of person is he? Because if you bring the wrong person into your locker room, it can mess the entire culture up. That's interesting. Yeah, so you got to make sure they're a good person first because that locker room is number one. Once the locker room go, if your locker room go, the team is going to fall. So you got to make Mm -hmm. sure that the person you're bringing in there is good for the locker room. Uh, And on top of that, I like, I wish we, I hope we can get a veteran because what's that going to do is that's going to help the younger guys. He can, he can be able to give great leadership in that running back room to teach them certain things they may not know. And also to give them some leadership because you more than likely you're going to have some free agents, some young free agents in there that's going to be running the ball by committee uh, if they can get on the field. But more than likely we're going to keep some younger guys at the running back position, I would think even if they're just playing special teams. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you still want that veteran leadership in there just so he can have that leadership um, because you're not going to find anybody that does what Kamara does. You're not going to find that guy. But you can find some guy, a guy that can come in there that may be good at certain things, but also he's a real attribute to the team when it comes to that locker room. I think they have to moneyball it. If you've never seen the movie Moneyball, the Oakland A's, you know, they had Jason Giambi, um, Pooh Bear, help me out. I, I forget. Uh, Johnny Damon. Johnny Damon, that's it. They had Johnny Damon, and they replaced their production with multiple players on the team, and they won like 100 games. They had the longest win streak, whatever. They're going to have to do it like that, right? Like yeah. they're going to have to piece it together. You not you throwing it in the flat to Kamara is going to have to – you're going to have to find another way. You're going to have to find how to get you guys in space. Um yeah. With that being said, there is a potential for breakout players, and not so much the rookies. Is there a guy for you on this team that you look at and say, look, I'm really looking for this guy coming out of nowhere to have a breakout year? Is there anybody on the roster that you see? Like, there, you got Pete Warner, Troutman. There's so many guys on this roster. Is there anybody for you that you see that you think that we're week six in the season? Like, hey, man, this, might, this guy might be having a Pro Bowl season. I'm not going to say a Pro Bowl season. Okay. And, and truthfully, I forget, what is his name? He's our return guy. His name slipped my mind. He's uh, our return Hardy. Guy. Are you talking about um, Dante Hardy? Or, or um, Not Hardy. It's, um, gosh, what's his last name? He plays receiver, but he's also our return guy. Well, it's it was Dante Harris, but he changed it to Hardy. Well, that's him then. Yep, 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 yep. Number 11. Number 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he changed it to Hardy. I'm excited to see what he does because last year he had some flashes. He had some flashes of, of doing some good stuff, whether that's in the receiver game or the return game. So for me, I feel like he's going to be a kept secret. He's one of our biggest weapons that's a kept secret for a little while but every time he gets the ball in his hand something great happens something good happens every time he gets the ball in his hand so i'm looking for him he's a guy that's flying under the radar of course you got these other big name receivers that we don't that's coming in or coming back but i think he's one guy that can really make a difference in games and i'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do the wide receiver picks a wide receiver and i gotta say this the offensive lineman Picks an offensive lineman. I think I think Caesar Ruiz is due. Okay, let me let me throw this out there. And majority of people in sports does not understand how offensive line game is played. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, a lot of Saints fans, trash 
Andres Pete. Okay, I understand that he gets injured a lot. I I, I get all of that. Mm-hmm. But let me say this. When you get voted to a Pro Bowl, okay, you I get that there might be maybe a guy that's kind of scratching their head. On the offensive line, it doesn't really work like that. When you have coaches and teammates and people voting for you to go in there, dog, that means to tell me that Indominus Sue thinks that Andres Peak can play. And if he thinks he can play, guys, he can play. Does he do some goofy things sometimes? Sure. I've also seen him go up against Fletcher Cox, who I've gone against, and dominate for three and a half quarters. So mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to hear anything. Here's the thing, though. I think the Saints have a big decision. I think Cesar Ruiz, mark it down. He played center at Michigan. He was the number one center on the board. I'm not saying get rid of Eric McCoy. That's not what I'm saying. I think Cesar Ruiz is an interior lineman that can have a big season. There were flashes last year where he did things that are pro bowl level. Okay? You got to move him back to his position. You got to move him back to center. I think he's the best center on your team. I don't know what they're going to do there. There's a little bit of, a li- you know, as Lee Corso would say on College Game Day, live from ECU a couple of seasons ago, a little chatter, a little chatter. <laughs> so, with that being said, you got to move him back there. I don't know mm-hmm. what you do at right guard. I, I, you know, Eric, figure it out. But you have two centers on your team, and the one that you're starting is a guy that played center his entire life. The best mm-hmm. center on your team is playing right guard, and you got to move him. Nevertheless, you got th- you got guys like Akeem Hicks going to Tampa Bay today, signing with Tampa Bay. He's going to have a, a a lot of worry on him, mm-hmm. but I think the offensive line will be okay. I think they'll be fine. Um, that's my guy. I, you know, another guy that doesn't get a lot of uh, publicity and or a lot of thing. A lot of people talk about him. I thought Pete Warner from Ohio State had a really a decent year last year as a rookie. Like, mm. I thought Pete Warner came in last year. Sideline to sideline. There were a lot of times last year, if you go back and watch the film, mm-hmm. I think it was Tampa Bay on the third and one when they give it mm-hmm. to Leonard Fournette, and he's de- literally de-cleaning Leonard Fournette in the hole. Right, right. There, those are those. That's a guy that I look at. I look at Pete Warner as, okay, you drafted an Ohio State guy for a reason. He's another mm-hmm. guy that I might I, I might um, look at. Is there anybody defensively, TC, that you're looking at that you just you really like, like as a wide receiver, DB room? Is there anybody out there that you look and just like like I know Tyron Matthew, but you know a lot of guy that doesn't get a lot of praise is PJ Williams, who won you a game against Tampa Bay last year. True. Um, I think. Maybe with some comfortability on his contract, maybe he can be doing some good things. Mm-hmm. You know what? I like our middle linebacker. Demario Davis, I mean, baby. Davis. I like Davis. You know, to me, he's a headhunter. He is – he's physical. Uh, I mean, I think he got a, he got the recognition, some of the recognition he deserved last year. But I think he is really the staple point of that def- – when it comes to the run defense – no doubt. When it comes to the run defense, he's he's tough, man. That's that's why I'm looking for another breakout year when it comes to the linebacker position on the defensive end. I don't 
I bro- we have broken LSU news before. Mm-hmm. Stay with me here. I'm not getting into this with the Saints game because it's a very toxic when you start talking about sources and you know all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff with the Saints. The only thing with Demario Davis that worries me, um, I'm not saying that he's going to sit out, or mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that. They did restructure his contract. I, I'm interested to see how they're going to appease him uh, before the start of season. They got. I'm not saying he's not going to play without a new contract. That's not what I'm saying. There mm-hmm. are some rumors. There are some things flying with Demario. He is the mo- however, he is without a shadow of a doubt the most underrated middle linebacker in the NFL, and it's not close. Right. He has the same amount of tackles as he's, as Bobby Wagner, tackles for loss, assist. He is a Pro Bowl guy. Why he doesn't get the love and praise that he deserves is beyond me. You, you know what? I think he needs to do it more than one year because to me he may have done it more than one year but i only remember this year the last year he just played that's last year was his best year you're right it's not it wasn't close yeah he he has to continue to follow that up once Mm -hmm. he followed that up again it's like oh it's not just he it's a fluke he just had a good season this year but if he follow it up and continue to be consistent he may not have the exact numbers he had last year but if he can just be consistent that's when guys will start really paying attention to him. But you, in order for you to make the Pro Bowl or anything like that, you can't just do it one year. Like I, you gotta, you gotta be consistent with it. I can, I, I, I can see that. Last, last one, last one. We're talking about this with Drew, and that we got to get to TC story time. Okay. Okay. Um, seeing Tyron Matthew in black and gold on the field gives me chill bumps, man. <laughs> I, let me, let me say this. As a half of the co-host on Believe in Saints, mm-hmm. I want to DM Taysom Hill and ask him and tell – and I know that he's got the number for his brother, and I respect that. I'm not telling him to give the number seven to Tyron Matthew. I got to see T, I gotta see TM7, man. As a Louisiana guy through and through, I got to see it. I, I want to see him return a punt. TC, do you know what would happen in that dome if that man returned a punt? It would go – Bananas. The roof would blow Crazy. off. Crazy. Hey, look, speaking of jersey swap, uh, money, if you give enough money, he can get that jersey. Hey, look, I'll tell you a quick story what happened to me. Oh, it's story there. time. I love this. Let's go. Pop <laughs> look, out the just... whiskey and red panties. <laughs> so this is just one of the little quick stories. This is not what I was going to tell, but it just came to mind when you're talking about the jersey swap. So, And I feel kind of bad about it, but I don't feel bad about it. So... My last year in Kansas City, we was in training camp. This one actually, this was in my 10th year. Uh, this one actually got released. So we brought in Chase Daniels. Oh, yeah. Oh, Chase shout shout out Chase. Shout yep, out to Missouri. Missouri. So I'm wearing number 10. I've been number 10 for the last four years. So he come in, he's coming in. He was like, well, cop. What I got to do to get that number? <laughs> now, was he on the, very quickly to really interrupt you? Was he on the team when you were in New Orleans? No, he wasn't. Okay, okay, okay. Continue. No, he wasn't. Okay, continue. So he was like, "Cop, what I got to do to get this jersey?" So we actually ended up coming up with okay, twenty five thousand uh, <laughs> <some> headphones, <laughs> but. 
I don't think I ever got the headphones, Chase. <laughs> oh, the oh, we're clipping <laughs> this, Chase. <laughs> but I, the reason why I say I felt bad about it, but I don't feel bad about it, is because I got cut that year. He would got the number for free. <laughs> if he would just oh, dog. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm thankful for him. You know, he he was a man of his word. He kept his word, so I can't say he didn't. He kept his word. But if he would have held off to a training camp, he would have got the number for free. Well, first off, shame on the Kansas City Chiefs for cutting <laughs> you. That's some bullshit. Number two, <laughs> TC, how much is that really going on? Like, I don't know about jersey swaps, but like deals like that, like stuff like that, like how much of that really goes on in the locker room? It it goes on, but it only it's not going to happen a lot because you usually don't have guys that come in rookies that come in and want their number that bad that they will pay you to get their number not a, not as a rookie now the amount of money these rookies making now or the amount of money that's being thrown at guys now you know a rookie may do it but usually that doesn't happen i give you another prime example when i was in dallas uh i was number 16 when i was in dallas when i first got to dallas and that was my number i was there through otas well we signed benny testaverde before training camp Look, they didn't even ask me. They didn't even ask me. The trainers just took my number and gave it to, uh, <laughs> gave it to uh, Vinny and gave me number 18. You know, so that's how I got the number 18 number because they took my jersey, number 16. That was my original number, and they just gave it to Vinny Tesford. They didn't ask no questions. They just gave it to him. You know Jerry so Jones told- put salt on his McDonald's uh, sausage biscuit. Did you see Hard Knocks last year? This man orders. This is a shame. Because they did this to you and signing Vinny Testaverde and taking your number. I'm going to defend you right quick. This man went on Hard Knocks, opened a McDonald's sausage biscuit, put it on a gourmet plate, opened the biscuit up, and poured salt on it. On the sausage. Here's Who did that? Jerry Jones did. Oh, my God. So, the rational thinking of Jerry Jones and him signing Vinny Testaverde to take your number, I I mean, man, it's it's too much salt in his his breakfast. It's too much salt in the breakfast. Let me say this, though, too. I think I'm going to start eating McDonald's every morning for breakfast. Warren Buffett, McDonald's every morning for breakfast. Jerry Jones, every morning for breakfast. The only thing that's correlation is these two guys are billionaires and they, they eat McDonald's every morning for breakfast. TC, I'm the fat offensive lineman wants uh, wants a sausage biscuit every for, every morning for McDonald's. Is that too outlandish? I don't think you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should do it. I don't. Look, I, the way my McDonald's wife would kill me. Is, look, the way McDonald's food is, look, you might not be living long. So, True. So, I don't True. know. You don't need to eat that every day. Speaking of story time, so let's get into it. Did you ever see the story that a guy bought a Big Mac and left it in his garage for 10 years and he opened it up and the patty was still, like, no mold on it, like it was completely fine? Wow. No, I never heard that. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, and we're eating that. Yeah, I stopped eating McDonald's, like, when I was in college. Yeah, I – Like, I stopped. It was terrible. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Let me say this. I am a sucker for a big, like a big family breakfast. Whether it, it okay. doesn't matter if it's home cooked, 
It doesn't matter if it's like McDonald. So let me tell you something. We used to have this DB that played with us. He may or may not have intercepted Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I would have to take him, drive him to his apartment every single day. And every single time he would say, this is so weird. Hey, And this is summer workouts. Hey, Blake, you can take me by McDonald's. I got to get my breakfast. And this dude is intercepting Tom Brady for the Falcons in the Super Bowl. (laughs) The translation is just so wild to me about everybody eating McDonald's. Oh, McDonald's, you got to pay us for this this, uh, advertisement here, too. All right, TC, let's get to story time, man. We got a little bit bit of time to get into it. All right, so... Go ahead. No, you I was just going to ask you I was going to ask you what, what what's on the slate for tonight. Go ahead. So the story time is kind of more of, of how my career went. Just my thoughts on how my career went. Okay, this is going to be right. great. And, and if you look at my career, you would think, "Man, he played, he retired in his 10th year, you know, he had a great career." And truthfully, when you look at it, I did have a good career. I can't complain about that. But it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I was a guy that wanted to stay on one team my entire career. Right. You know, I didn't want to be a journeyman. I didn't want to be a journeyman. I didn't want to have to go from this team to this team to that team. You know, and, you know, so I, I love the fact that I played as long as I did. But it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And another example of that is I wanted it to be a full-time starter. At when it played when it came to receiver position, but I was a real big special teams guy, and I was great at special teams. But what that did was mentally, I could never get out of the special team mode. And truthfully, it's a double-edged sword with it. Mm-hmm. The fact that I was real big in special teams, I got that special teams tag. He's a special teams guy, you know. So. Yeah, I would rotate in sometimes at receiver, and I, I got playing time at receiver, but I wanted to be a starter. I wanted to be a guy that was one, two, and number three, not number four, mm-hmm. you know, the special teams guy. But it also was a gift and a curse because the fact that I played special teams and I was real good at special teams, it was easier, not saying it was easy, but it was easier for me to stay in the league longer because I wasn't just a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I could play special teams. My my worth was a lot higher than somebody that just played wide receiver that wasn't a starter. You know, so for me, you know, that's that is my biggest. I'm not gonna say regret because I appreciate it and I'm thankful for it. But it, if I could have changed anything, it would have been getting my mindset out of being a quote unquote special teams guy and really trying to do what I was trying to do and that's play the receiver position but I'm also thankful for it because that's the reason why I stayed in the league as long as I have or as long as I did was because I could play special teams and I remember one time I went to I went to Baltimore shout out to Baltimore Ravens I went to Baltimore when I left New Orleans I went to Baltimore and it was me there and it was some other receivers there that was pretty good I remember just as good they brought me up to the locker room I mean, and that was the 08 season 08 season. Yep, uh-huh. halfway to 08 season. Uh-huh, right. Halfway uh-huh. to 08 season. I left New Orleans exactly halfway of the season, uh, and I went to Baltimore. And they brought me up in the office like, listen, cop, we're going to keep you. Uh, we're not going to sign the other receivers, and this is the reason why. Because all they play is receiver. You play special teams and receiver. 
So my value was higher. It was I had a, I had more value than just the average receiver that plays receiver. So even though my my plan years was great, but me playing special team was a gift and a curse because I feel like it hindered me. It hindered me as a receiver because of the special teams tag that I had that I would never get that special team tag off because I was great at it. I was great at playing special teams, but I wanted it to be more than just a, a special teams guy. So that's kind of my story and how my career went with it when it comes to how I felt about my career. I loved my career, had a great, great career, but I love the fact that I was a special teams guy because it kept me in the league as long as it did. And the fact that I was able to go on multiple teams, you know, so I'm appreciative of that as well. But I really wanted to stick with one team and I really wanted to not necessarily have a special teams tag on me and be able to actually play the receiver position more than what I did. I played I played the position a lot, but I still had that special teams tag on me. So that's kind of my story about my career. Uh, RJ says, which team did you want to stay on TC and why is it the New Orleans Saints and why is Louisiana the best state in the country? <laughs> so New Louisiana is the best state in the country. It is. but I, And I love New Orleans. I I wish I could have stayed on New Orleans. Uh, and before I, before I tell you that, I loved everywhere I played at. Don't get me wrong. I loved everywhere I played at when I was in Dallas, when I was in New Orleans, when I was in Kansas City and Baltimore. But I was different. Cause I played in leagues 10 years. So, uh -huh. but I was different every team I was with. Uh -huh. And when I say different maturity wise. So when I was young, there's that word again. Uh, yeah. When I was young, uh, women, you know, just having a good time. I love Dallas. And even when I got to new Orleans, it's kind of the same thing. I love new Orleans. I love the culture. I got a chance to know the people. You know, in New Orleans, because I actually met some people that actually stayed in New Orleans and they showed me around and actually really taught me the culture of New Orleans. So I wasn't just a, you know, usually when you play on an NFL team, the only people you hang with is guys on the, in the locker room because you don't really know a lot of outside people. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So but I actually got a chance to meet people in New Orleans and really hang with people in New Orleans. So that's what made me fall in love with the culture. Uh, because I actually knew about New Orleans because I was being chaperoned around and and taken to different places and talking about this and that. So I actually learned it. So I, I really love New Orleans. Uh, but when I got to Baltimore, I was still kind of the same. But when I got to Kansas City, I became more of a family guy. You know, it was Kansas City was more of a place where you could raise your family. Not saying New Orleans or any other places wasn't, but I was just in a different mind frame when I got to Kansas City maturity wise. So when I got to Kansas City, I loved Kansas City. So everywhere I was at, I loved it, you know. But what was the question? I got on a little rant. What was the question? You oh asked? no, you answered it. You answered it while I'm kicking what? my camera. <laughs> I think you, you said which. I think you said which one. I I added you know, that. I was just messing. Oh, uh, yeah, I added that. He didn't ask that question. I was just messing. But let me yeah. ask this, TC, and we'll get to this last one. Um, I remember as a as a kid. I said kid, teenager. Um. You catching multiple touchdowns in New Orleans, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite? I, I mean, I remember what was it, Atlanta, the mm -hmm. big Atlanta touchdown or catch. Um, but what was your favorite? Like, was it the first one? Like, I don't think that I could ever get over the first touchdown that I ever would ever have in the NFL. But what was the best moment or, or touchdown or reception? 
And by the way, I remember Sean Payton giving you a rush. So, with that being said, for like a first down, what was the best touchdown or, or sports moment that you've had in your career? Man, that's crazy. In the NFL? Let's let's go NFL. Yeah, let's <laughs> go NFL. NFL. Because I feel like at ECU, y'all just put up so many damn points that like, oh, well, I remember I scored 77 touchdowns in this one game against Southern Methodist, like SMU. Shout out Eric Dickerson or something. You know, but <laughs> NFL, what? <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, let me think. Gosh, that's a good question. I'm probably going to have to go with oh. Blake, you got me thinking, man. Well, this might be something that we're going to have to like sit on and then the next episode yeah, we got we... to sit on this Blake. I got to okay. think about it. Okay. I got to think about it. Yeah. All right, let me ask you this then very quickly to answer this last question. Do yep. you think that a guy like Sean Payton played you I mean cuz look TC and I don't mean this in any kind of a way at all No, nah, go ahead. But Sean Payton played do you think that Sean played you so much because we don't see like like Slater in New England. He's never to this day I think the stat was he's only lined up at wide receiver in New England twice. Twice. Mm. Okay? So he's played special teams and, dude, he's on a 53-man roster as a wide receiver, only on special teams. Do you think, though, in your conversation about your career, do you think Sean played you as much at wide receiver due to the effort and the determination that you had on special teams? I don't think so because if you okay. can't play wide receiver, you're not Well, that's true. Probably like Slater in a sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm not knocking Slater because, like I say, he's a special teams guy, and I'm I'm a special teams guy, so I'm not gonna knock him. But I also can say, and and I'm I, I done said this before. I feel like I felt like I was the best number four receiver in the NFL. I felt like because I could play the receiver position, and I was a dog on special teams, you know. But even though I had the special teams tag, I felt like I still was the best fourth receiver in the NFL. And when I how I kind of rated that was look at receiver production from any other fourth receiver in the NFL the, during the time that, during the years I was playing and also look at their special teams production by any fourth receiver in the league. And I felt like I was the best number four receiver in the NFL to ever play. Not can say ever play, but the years I was playing, I felt like I was the best number four receiver. Because uh, you because usually your number four receivers, they're not starters. They're special teams guys. Mm -hmm. But they will rotate in at receiver as well. You know, so I just kind of looked at how I did as a receiver and looked at kind of compared it to other fourth receivers in the league and how they matched up special teams-wise, how I matched up special teams-wise. I felt like I was the best one in the league, the number four receiver. So I feel like that's the reason why I played receiver was because I could actually play receiver. I wasn't just a special teams guy but I did have the special teams tag because I was good at it. Look, you do some, you've done something that half of 1% of the world's done. Okay. And I'm envious regardless. So <laughs> nevertheless, li listen, I kind of want, this is for an epic. Look, we're, we're almost an hour in, so we're going to save this, but I'm going to say this. 
I am addicted to the Peyton Manning plate, like Peyton's places, the ESPN mm-hmm. Plus thing, him mm-hmm. going around the NFL. Dude, I'm a football junkie. And Peyton, I, I'm not going to spoil it for ESPN Plus, but this will show you how deep the Believe in Saints sources go. Mm-hmm. He may or may not have a, a wide receiver that only played special team on Peyton's places this year. And the emotional thing that the player is going to say in that, I think is going to tra- I think is going to transition what people think about receivers and spe- and them playing special teams. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to say I know who the player is or not. To everybody listening, <laughs> wink. But Terrence, again, and I'm using your government biblical name. Uh, I think it's going to show what you went through and a part where nobody else sees it. So I wow. appreciate that story. And I think that it's huge. All right. We got to save content for Thursday. Okay. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see y'all soon. Everybody hit the like and share. We appreciate everyone. We will see y'all soon. I'm Blake Rafino. Follow us on Twitter. Follow TC at TCOPER. 10. T- I almost put you said this T-Cop 10. T-Cop or 10. And we'll see you guys again Thursday. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Shout out to XM Radio and BetOnline.ag. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.